Live from the Interaction Media Studios, we welcome you to the Healthy Harrison podcast, a show designed to help you change your state. I'm Brock Malcolm, and I'll be your host for today's show. And I'm privileged to have served on the Healthy Harrison Board of Directors since its inception. And I happen to work as a healthcare attorney when I'm not hosting podcasts. We're streaming this program on the Healthy Harrison Facebook page, as well as on the statewide distribution network of our media partner, WVNews.com. Every week at this time, we chat with individuals who are focused on the mission of Healthy Harrison, which is fostering measurable improvements to the health and well-being of the citizens of North Central West Virginia. Today, we are very fortunate to welcome Audra Hamrick and Tony Morris to our show. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Both our guests are, are assistant professors in the Department of Social and Behavioral Sciences at the WVU School of Public Health. Additionally, Audra serves as the Director of Undergraduate Programs, and Tony serves as the Patient Navigation Coordinator. So again, thank you so much for being here, and uh, we have a lot to talk about, so we can just dive in. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the School of Public Health and the areas in which you each work uh, specifically? So the School of Public Health um, is one of five schools within the Health Sciences campus at West Virginia University. We, we've been a School of Public Health, I believe this is our 10th year anniversary. Um, previously, we were kind of a department within community medicine um, in the School of Medicine. So we are um, the only School of Public Health in West Virginia and one of 67 accredited schools or programs of public health um, accredited by the Council on Education for Public Health. So we're pretty proud of that. Um, so 67 in the whole country. In the whole country, country. yep, 67 in the whole country. Um, we just were re-accredited re um, for another um, through 2027, so we're pretty proud of that um, uh, milestone. And within our school, we actually have two bachelor's programs, um, Bachelor of Science in Public Health, Bachelor of Science in Health Services Management and Leadership. We have a master's in public health program, um, three different uh, PhD programs, we have a new master's in health administration program um, and two MS programs in MS in population health and an MS in industrial hygiene, which are both new to our school. So we're a small, small school, but we've got a lot going on and a lot to offer. <laughs> so. And so um, you're a counselor by trade and, and Tony, you're a nurse. Is that right? Correct. And so how did you end up in at the School of Public Health? I actually answered an ad to teach a first aid emergency care class 21 years ago. And I had never seen myself as a, uh, an instructor or teacher per se, but the idea of it sounded kind of fun. It could work with young people. And that one course turned into a 21 year career. Um, I ended up going back to school and getting my doctorate degree in education and I now have been teaching for 21 years at WVU, which was the community medicine and now is um, public health. So, um, and I love it. It's the best career move I've ever made. That's great. Yeah, so my, um, I ended up kind of by chance maybe, um, I actually, I, before I became a school counselor, I worked in residential treatment. Um, and then I was a school counselor, counselor for about 10 years. Um, and every kind of step, I just kept thinking, there's gotta be a way to prevent you know, some of these fires that I'm constantly dealing with day to day, there's gotta be a way to prevent some of this. So I actually went to a conference and I and I heard some faculty from the School of Public Health speak and I thought these are my people, right? They're all yeah. about prevention. And um, and so I, you know, applied for a position as a, a developmental advisor and 
when I came on board, they said, you know, we think you have some strengths that could fit at Elsewhere. And so I became the director of practice, public health practice. Um, and now I'm currently the director of our undergraduate program. So good to be on the preventative side of things. Yeah, I mean, healthcare is really moving, uh, being from totally reactive to people having diseases or chronic health conditions to being much more proactive in the last decade, decade and a half. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, probably prior to 1970s, you know, we were more focused on treating the disease, treating the, the symptoms, treating um, people once they've already been infected or have acquired some kind of a chronic illness. And then we started taking, not that public health began then, public health has been around for hundreds of years, but we really shifted the focus on how, instead of just treating the problem, let's look into prevention and promotion um, and sh change how we are treating the problem and getting more focused on the community and the population. You know, what can we do to help people prevent from getting these chronic illnesses? Because we took a big shift from infectious illness to to chronic illnesses. And, you know, we had to take a look at why and, and how much of this can we prevent. And so since the 1970s here in the United States, anyway, it seems that we really changed our focus and public health's a big part of that. I work a lot with primary care providers and I know that the empowerment of patients to understand and and help be engaged in their health care, you know, like you said, historically it was sort of the doctor told me to do this, right. so I'm going to do this. And now it's much more, it's, we want you to understand what's causing this and, and what you can do to prevent it and, and be engaged in that process. Absolutely. And, and we've seen how much of a difference it's made and we continue to see. Um, another big focus too, I think, of public health is what you kind of mentioned is health literacy, you know, helping our our communities and our and our people in our state and in our uh, counties to understand about their own health more. Still to this day, I think some people are intimidated by the healthcare system. And I think one of our main goals in public health is to change that. So people do feel comfortable advocating for themselves and their own healthcare. Well, so the, the School of Public Health's mission is, is stated as such, to improve the quality of life for West Virginians and all who call Appalachia home. And, and you're guided by the vision that of healthy people in thriving communities. And that very closely mirrors what we have set up as our mission statement here at Healthy Harrison. Um, can you share with us some of the ways in which your school of public health is working with individual communities to fulfill that mission and vision? Yeah, so I mean, I think the key, the key areas that we, you know, we education, training and then advocacy and we we do that through you know our faculty involved are involved in so much community-based and community-engaged research um, you know we provide assessment to different programs we provide evaluation there are a lot of nonprofits and different agencies who really you know are from the the roots from from those communities and they really want to do good work but they they need a little support and guidance so we can provide technical support to people um, we you know can bring teams of students and help uh, with interventions. I know Tony has a class involved with interventions. We can help folks to interpret uh, data, to do surveys, um, and just really improve, I think, the things that they're trying to do within their communities. Um, and we even, you know, we have a faculty and we have a, a track where folks are really invested in policy and really trying to, to work to make policy change, um, which would ultimately, you know, help not just communities, but states and, and even the country. So. I think we, we really are engaged with the community in a number of ways through, like I said, through faculty engagement. Our students are all involved 
um, and community-based projects. Um, and statewide, state, yeah, yeah as well. Statewide. So even though we're based here in Morgantown, um, they work all over the state. You know, West Virginia is very rural, and there are a lot of communities that that really have difficulty accessing health care still to this day. And so public health, school public health, and the Health Sciences Center, uh, they work together trying to find solutions to that. You know, they're always trying to, you know, do we send healthcare providers to the communities, or if that's not a possibility, what else can we do? And they, they work collectively, the whole health sciences team, to try to find ways that we can reach some of these folks who maybe aren't able to leave their community to get the healthcare that they need. Um, we work, they're working on a program right now, um, the Transitional Care Clinic, mm -hmm. where they bring a group of healthcare providers and students together, and they telemedicine with patients who are in, you know, remote areas, and try to help that way too. So it's really exciting. Um, they're very innovative, and you know, they're looking to expand in all the ways possible to help our state get healthcare. You know, if, if there's one positive for healthcare that's come out of this pandemic, it's really been we've accelerated the use of of telehealth Absolutely. by probably 10 or 15 yeah. years from where yeah. it would have been. Yeah, right. Um, speaking of the pandemic, you know, a lot of people have heard the term public health maybe even for the first time. And, and you know, historically, I know that uh, having worked within the industry, what public health does, but now you have people sitting around their kitchen table sometimes arguing about what the role of public health should be in our lives. Um, for those who still may not fully understand what public health means or grasp the uh, the terminology of, of public health, maybe you could just talk about what that encompasses and, and help us better understand how you in the school define public health. Absolutely. Um, so the American Public Health Association, I think, would define public health as the promotion um, and protection of the health of people in the communities in which they live, work, learn, and play. So that still seems pretty broad. Um, but I think the way I like to kind of simplify it, if you think about medical professionals, they're working to treat people who you know, have illness or injuries, where public health professionals are working, as we've mentioned, they're working to really prevent um, those injuries from happening. So public health is everything from environmental health, um, the water that we drink, is it safe? You know, the air that we breathe, is it safe? Um, to um, epidemiology, tracking diseases to try to prevent them from spreading. Um, public health is community health workers, which we'll probably get into more. Um, public health is really um, anything to promote healthy lifestyles. So social and behavioral changes, which Healthy Harrison, you know, the tiny habits and trying mm -hmm. to teach people. Um, just as we've talked about empowerment. I think empowering people and communities to, to kind of take ownership of, of their health and, um, and its policy and its... its and it's so occupational <laughs> health, it's global health. Um, you know, sometimes, well, like in the pandemic, you know, we see it crossing borders and the public health people are on the front line. They're trying to figure out how did this happen? What can we do to prevent this from happening again? What can we learn from this? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's they're studying, they're collecting data, they're doing research. And it's all about education to the public. Let's give you what you need to make the best health choices. And we're here to help you. I want to remind everybody that the uh, podcast is brought to you by West Virginia University Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. 
and I, I'm. It's a pleasure to be here today with with Audra Hamrick and Tony Morris. Uh, maybe you guys could talk a little bit about some additional opportunities that that you're seeing um, that could be provided through the the field of public health to contribute to a community's well-being. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. Do you want to? Um, so one of the areas of um, emphasis that we have within our school of public health, which is probably our most clinical. Um, based program, but still not necessarily clinicians, would be our patient navigation um, area of emphasis, which Tony oversees. Um, and so I think, um, you know, those aren't necessarily the, the providers, but they're the folks that are kind of the conduit between the healthcare team um, and, and the home or the community that are, that are helping, you know, to make sure if someone is in rural West Virginia and can't get to Morgantown for follow-up appointments, that they're connected with a team that can provide telehealth or that can you know, work to schedule multiple appointments on one day. So it's it's one trip. Um, so really just kind of the, the connecting link to the providers um, from, from the patient. But it's also, you know, other ways to get involved would be, you know, local health departments uh, provide such a key role. I think we've learned um, through this pandemic what an asset local health departments are um, and other community-based resources. So, I mean, other ways to get involved could be, um, Besides clinical tracks, I think, you know, education, we need community health educators, we need um, folks who want to be more, more involved in advocacy, we need folks that want to get involved in on the policy side um, of things. So I think, Tonio, if you want to add, I think there's so many different ways to get involved. In Absolutely. And and for me personally, I, I, I work with a group of students who are studying patient navigation. And for those uh, folks who don't know what that means, um, in 1990, there was a physician, an oncologist in Harlem, and he was treating women who were generally um, low income for breast cancer. And he was finding that he was having really poor health outcomes, and he couldn't understand why, because the treatment regimens were working in other places, but why were these, that he had more women, you know, dying from this breast cancer that he felt was treatable. And so he started doing some background uh, research on his own. And what he identified was that there were all these barriers that these women were facing. And it wasn't that they didn't want to, to complete their treatments, it's that they couldn't. Maybe because they didn't have any support system at home, maybe they didn't have the financial means, maybe had no insurance. Um, and so what he figured out were there were these barriers that existed for this population that maybe we could help with. And so he is sort of the, the father of patient navigation, I would say. And, um, and so he hired someone to start looking into individual cases and to help them identify the barriers that were keeping them from completing their, their treatment plans. And when they did that, they were able to eliminate some of these barriers and he saw the health outcomes rising drastically. Um, and from there it kind of spread. And so now patient navigation is everywhere I would say pretty much nationwide, um, hospitals, clinics, you know, um, there's all kind of different ways to use a patient navigator, but their basic responsibility is to identify and eliminate barriers, whatever they may be. So it could be financial, it, it could be transportation. That's a huge one. It's all the social determinants. That Absolutely. Health and especially now. in a state like West Virginia, where, you know, maybe they get sick and they've either got to go three hours north or, or three hours south to get the best treatment centers in Charleston or Morgantown, but that's a huge task. And so these folks help them navigate that system and learn um, to advocate for themselves as well and to do research and find ways, things that might be available that they just 
wouldn't have known about. So it's just been a wonderful, we're seeing it grow, we see it continue to grow. And we have a lot of students who want to be in healthcare, they wanna help people, but maybe the hands-on types of healthcare isn't for them, but they still wanna be effective. And so this is another avenue. Um, and we at the School of Public Health have taken on um, this area of emphasis, and it's just been a wonderful experience. What's well, so important too, for the retention of, of physicians and others who oh. who felt like they were suffering burnout related to all the social work issues Absolutely. that they were having to deal with as opposed to just treating Absolutely. You know, the, the, the chronic diseases that were there in front of them. And like you said, you know, 50 years ago, there was kind of this hierarchy, right? You know, the physician at the top and then the um, other providers, nurses, therapists, so forth. And then at the bottom of that hierarchy was the patient. And they've changed that completely. Now we have patient-centered care where the patient's in the middle. And then you've got all these healthcare providers rotating around, but sometimes we still need that link between us, the patient, and all those wonderful providers. And that patient navigator can be that link, that conduit, that liaison. Yeah, so that's what Healthy Harris is trying to be in the community, right? Yeah. Is is we created that resource guide that's on our, our website. Absolutely. And, and you know, if people um, so often they just don't know where to go for the care. And that happens even within a doctor's office. You know, where do you go if you need food? Where do you know, go if you need transportation or, or housing? And, and these patient navigators are tuned into all of that and helping patients get where they need to be. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's a wonderful service and um, it can continue to grow. You know, um, They can fill lots of different needs um, for their patients and their communities and the healthcare providers. Okay, we'll take another second just to remind everybody that the podcast is, is brought to you today by WV Medicine United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. Um, again, thank you so much for being here and talking about what you do. Um, if somebody um, had the resources to bring a patient navigator into Healthy Harrison, for example, uh, what, what might you be able to offer to us as an organization? Yeah, and so we've actually, you know, that's kind of how we got we got involved with Healthy Harrison. Um, John Paul Nardelli um, reached out, I think right at the inception of your, your group and had an internship opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and so we kind of got linked up. And, and since then we, we've had, last year it had to be remote, but we, we were able to place some students to work under um, the director, John Paul. Um, with Healthy Harrison, and I think what the students could bring to this is, is you know, manpower number one, <laughs> number one, just some, some energy and some manpower. But with with what you all are trying to do with the community, I think it's nice to have a, a navigator um, or health coach. You know, would be a, a similar phrase that could be partnered with maybe a small number of of clientele. You know, a small number of community members, and that could be kind of their go-to person when they someone that's checking in, accountability partners are great, right? Someone to yeah, check in and say, hey, how are you doing on that goal? Remember that, you know, that, that first step that, we, that we, did we achieve it? Or are we ready to move on to step two? You know, just someone I think that can follow up with them. And again, if someone's stumbling, if someone's reached a barrier, the, the health coach or the navigator could say, well, you know, there, there's this option to go get these healthy options for, you know, low, low cost, if that's a concern for you. Here's somewhere where you could go and get, get this, you know, more healthy option that you need or or you know what it sounds like you're struggling with this but i know a great resource for you in the community that, that we could hook you up with let me let me make a phone call and get you connected stuff like just somebody that's in, that's engaged knows the community someone that's trusted because they are kind of more of a hometown hometown hero i think was something you all you all had used and, and yeah. just somebody that people know and that can and they can relate to 
Um, and, and I think that's a, the accountability partner, I think is probably a huge piece of that. So another, right. another term uh, that you hear a lot is community health worker. Now, how is that different from a patient navigator? So a community health worker, you know, this, the idea of community health workers um, has probably been around for a long time. We just didn't have a, a name for it. But it's somebody that lives in a certain community that, you know, is somebody who people in that community trust to go f to if, with problems or if they're stumbling or if there are barriers, um, somebody who can advocate for them. There's so many ways that a community health worker can help their communities. And so once we noticed that, um, they started using community health workers in really rural areas and this is not something that's just in West Virginia, but it's also global. You know, I think even in some places they they train their community health workers to literally give first aid or even uh, serve as midwives in, in communities where they have no no help. So the role of a community health worker can vary, but it can be so much more because maybe a patient navigator may know a person, uh, but probably does most of their work via phone. But a community health worker, they're out there with their boots on the ground and they're working one-on-one -on -one with their community members to help make their community a better place. I, I remember when I, I worked for a health center for a number of years and the frustration was you might only see those patients four times a year right. and the doc maybe gives them a half hour and so you've got two hours of total time and how do you make meaningful change? And obviously doctors, um, you can't afford to have them Absolutely. You know, going out and spending hours and hours with, right. with other uh, patients. But the community health workers have the ability to develop those relationships. And very often, maybe they're somebody who's dealt with diabetes. And Absolutely. now they're telling you about Absolutely. how they have managed successfully yeah, their diabetes. education and outreach and activities uh, within their community. Yeah, they can do so much more. And they are usually highly respected in their communities because people know them and they trust them, which is another thing that, that a patient navigator can help with too, is reducing fear. You know, a lot of times people don't go to the doctor because they fear what they may hear or they just have that, uh, maybe they're afraid of what, not just what they might learn about themselves, but the healthcare system in general. Well, some people, you know, obviously are non-compliant and they worry well, about being scolded or judged. Absolutely. Or, and, and the community health worker is able to kind of try to reach people on their level and, and spend and, that time yeah. to build that relationship. And that, it's not as intimidating, you know? Yeah. Well, and the community health worker, you know, they don't need to, they, they can focus on a whole population and whole communities, not just one patient. And they can really, you know, schedule maybe at a community center or they could have a whole class on, you know, diabetes awareness or prevention. And so I think they also get to kind of make a broader impact with, with right. the folks in their community. Maybe one person brings a need to their table, but then they could plan and really, you know, education even in schools or, or different areas. I think they just, they can really impact a, a greater number of folks too. So you obviously have um, programs to develop the, the patient navigators. Are you also working to develop community health workers? Yeah, so that's that's an area, you know, we do work with community health workers. We've, we've got a, you know, a colleague that, that does a lot of work around diabetes um, prevention and awareness, and she's working with a lot of community health workers, training a lot of health coaches and things. And so it's definitely um, an area where we hope to expand um, in, the, in the very very uh, near future. Um, we, we definitely want to get more involved with, with community health workers and, and train our, you know, we would like to thank all of the students that we, um, you know, 
produced from our Bachelor of Science in Public Health would be prepared to be a community health worker. Um, that's definitely a position that we would encourage. And you see more insurance companies hiring yes. them and, and working with, with covered lives and, and trying to help people do better. It just, not only does it result in better patient outcomes, Right. But it, it tr saves a tremendous amount of money to the healthcare system. Absolutely. So it's, it's it really seems to be a win-win. And I think in and you know West Virginia and and Appalachia, um, you know there are cultural things too. I, I you know I was talking about this recently. Is like growing up as a child, we didn't we weren't taken to a doctor unless we had certain things wrong, like a fever or there was blood involved, right? You, you <laughs> right. were treated at home with home remedies, and that's still very true. And so in, in certain places, and I think community health workers, you know, they know that that culture. Um, they understand it, and they can work around any barriers that we may not even be aware of. Well, I used to, when I worked for the health center, one of the things that we really implemented was school-based health, because yeah. just what you're saying, it was, it was hard enough for hardworking families to get off work to take their kids to the doctor when the kids were sick. Right. Well child visits almost never happened. No. Regular immunizations didn't happen. Allergy shots. It was just so difficult because, you know, West Virginia is made up of, of you know, hardworking people, Absolutely. but they often don't have the ability to control their schedules in such a way to to, Absolutely. to get out for well visits, you know. And I remember when I was six years old, lining up in the gym to get a polio vaccine. And I remember the kids were all lined up and they, the, the one that was at the front of the line and got the vaccine, which I still have a scar to prove uh, today, would be screaming and crying and we were all standing there knowing that we were next. Um, hopefully it's gotten a little bit less intimidating and better than that if they stu do, well, school still do school-based health, yeah, but, uh, for so but it has, yeah. it's been a wonderful thing. Well, so for so many people, um, you know, there's been this debate over vaccines and we're not gonna get into any of that today. But some of the target of people's um, upset about about mandates and things like that has been targeted toward public health. And so it seems like maybe unfairly uh, public health has become kind of a scapegoat. So why don't you guys each take a couple of minutes and talk about why public health still remains so important, to, particularly in rural states like West Virginia. And, and maybe also if you have some advice for our young people who may be watching and are, as you said before, considering a career in healthcare, why should they go into, into public health? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what, what we've already talked about, hopefully, you know, highlights why public health is so important. But, um, you know, this pandemic has definitely um, heightened, I think, our awareness um, and ampl amplified just kind of our um, understanding that the la for the lack of, of access to healthcare and the inequities within healthcare um, and barriers that folks face. Um, in West Virginia, um, in Appalachia, and, and elsewhere, um, and I, I think that with without public health and without our community health workers and our local health departments, um, you know, we've seen a lot of tragedy. But it could it, it it would have been so much worse. And and I think we you know a lot of things that we deal with are pre are preventable. And I think if we could get more folks um, on board with kind of this, let's you know let's get it let's get to the root of it. And then like you're saying, we're going to save so much money if we're not spending so much on healthcare and we're going to, you know, the, we're going to increase, you know, the economic uh, boom of things if, if we can get these other things under control. So I think I would say to young people, you know, I know this generation really wants to, they want to make a difference, whether it's, you know, climate change or, um, you know, the viruses or whatever. I know that young people really want to, to improve the lives of the people around them. And there is no better way to do that than to get involved in public health. 
Um, and again, that could be maybe your, your focus is on social and behavioral health. Maybe you're more interested in occupational health or environmental health, or maybe you're a, a mathematician and you're really interested in biostatistics, which is an incredible, really important piece Absolutely. of all of this that we haven't really touched on. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of industry um, used, used to be more, you know, West Virginia. So folks really wanted to get involved in industrial hygiene and how do we keep all these hardworking people safe? Um, I just, I think there's so much work to be done and there's so much opportunity to do it. Um, and really, I think we, we, we do have, we have to trust the science and, and people, you know, spend a lot of time um, studying these things and re researching these things and, and making sure that they are safe for us. And I just, I really um, would say trust, trust your public, public health professionals. They really do have your best interests in mind. And I just, there's so much opportunity for young folks that want to get involved. Um, uh, I agree 100%. And, you know, I kind of think of public health as like a wheel where the community is is the hub and all the spokes that come off are what we're trying to make better um, so that the people's lives can keep rolling. And that's really what we want. We want people's lives to be the best that they can be. And we do that by trying to improve things and learning about what causes people to to become ill and and try to find ways to prevent that that's what we do and there are so many different avenues to public health that anybody who would be interested in helping their community could find somewhere that they would fit in well it's such a developing area and and, and what's exciting about it is both of you started um you know in different Absolutely. areas but you've taken this journey and and both have expressed just how fulfilled you are so i want to thank you both for being here uh, really enjoyed the information that you shared. It was a pleasure meeting you. I want to thank uh, everybody out there for uh, joining us today for the Healthy Harrison podcast. Um, at Healthy Harrison, it is our goal to change your state of mind and ultimately to change the state of health here and throughout all of West Virginia. If you want more help right now, you can download our free Healthy Harrison app. You can go to healthyharrison.org. Uh, where you can find the, uh, the the resource list that I previously mentioned, or you can visit the Healthy Harrison Facebook page. And if you do that, please drop us a like. On any of these platforms, you'll find lots of support to help you on your own healthcare journey. Also, if you enjoyed the podcast, you can stream past episodes on our Facebook page. Again, we'd like to thank our sponsors, WV Medicine United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. On behalf of Healthy Harrison, I thank you again for joining us. And next week, um, Gary Bowden and Amy Haberbosch Wilson will be back to host, and they'll be joining uh, Carolyn Arnold, who is the author of Small Move, Big Change. And Carolyn's book's all about how you can make transformation in your life by making small, manageable changes. And uh, it's had a huge impact on us uh, at Healthy Harrison in terms of our programming. So you won't want to miss that one. Uh, so we hope to see you then. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.